Sheancast, the podcast where all good things must come to an end, and so do mediocre things, like Welcome to the Ballroom. My name is Matt, <laughs> and joining me today is a special guest, Matt. Hey, Matt. Alright, so it is the 11th week of the fall anime season, and we will cover every sports anime that aired between, between December 10th and December 16th. Um, before we get into it, I have a brief announcement. Uh, you, Wait. And it is that... The format of Koshian Cast is going to be changing soon. Um, so we're not going away, per se. Um, right. But we're both facing some uh, em- employment and career changes and uh, other demands. Um, and so we're going to be scaling back the number of episodes that we do starting next season. Um, right. Basically, we're not going to be doing weekly updates per episode. Um, we're going to sort of transition to just doing series reviews. Right. Um, and there's, you know, several reasons for this. I don't know if you want to go into it, Matt. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, you say, like, employment and career changes. I just want to specify, nothing bad. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody got fired. Like, these are all good changes, but it's sort of like we have to focus on other things. Right, right, exactly. So we're just kind of like, and you know what, like, I I think the other thing that we kind of, you you know, this is kind of silly, we kind of took one look at next year's, uh, we we basically took a look at next season and we were like, okay, so we've still got March Comes In Like a Lion, and then what have we got at other than that? We've got another cute girls doing cute things show with, like, a camping show. Uh, We have Yamushi Petal. Yeah. And then, what was the other one, Matt? The other one was uh, the show whose name I can't remember, uh, in which a precocious nine-year-old shows up on the doorstep of a teenage shogi master and hijinks ensue, which (laughs) has populated my nightmares. Um, (laughs) And so, looking at that and already facing some hesitation, we're just sort of saying, like, okay, what is actually going to be productive and one thing we've kind of noticed is that because we talk about these shows so much week to week, we don't end up saying that many new things episode by episode. Sometimes we do. Yeah. It's fun to do episode to episode. But for a lot of shows that are kind of in the middle, they're not terrible, they're not great, it doesn't really make sense to analyze each episode because there's a lot of repetition. Right. Uh, It makes more sense to do series reviews. Um... And so we're going to start sort of shift to that. Yeah, because we also kind of realized that, like, one of the most fun times we've ever had recording the show was our Prince of Tennis review, which I... Or not Prince of Tennis. No. Prince of Tribe. (laughs) 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 Sorry, two sports shows that start with Prince. My bad. But yeah. Yeah, because with that, we watched it separately, but we watched the whole thing in a relatively compact time. And then we got together and we got to talk about everything that was funny or interesting about the show. Right. Instead of having to limit ourselves to one episode. Right. So, yeah, we think it's just going to be a change for the best. We So, we, uh, to reiterate, we're not really, like, ending it, but we are going to be changing it. We're probably just going to be doing a lot more series reviews. We might do, like, sort of, like, an initial look sometimes of, like, the new season. Yeah. Uh, but we're not going to do, like, week to week to week. Yeah, so the the upside of this is that, you know, we'll probably, uh, the episodes as they come will probably come in bunches towards the end of seasons. Right. Um, but in between then, we, we, since we won't be doing this every week so much, um, 
we may have more time to go back and do some older shows, do some, you know, whatever, classic reviews, which is something we wanted to do when we started this, but we could never find it in us to do more podcasts, right. you know, beyond what we were already doing. Um, so that might be something fun to do where we can do some older shows. Um, and yeah, so we, we're not totally 100% sure what the format's going to be moving forward, Um but that's, uh, we know what it won't be, and what it won't be is what it is. <laughs> now, <laughs> I couldn't have said that any clearer. Right. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so all that is to say, so we've been doing this for like a year and a half. Right. Um, and we're really just grateful for everyone that, that followed us this far. Um, it's, what what made it fun was knowing that, that people listened to and enjoyed it, Um so again, this isn't is it isn't a goodbye, but it is a transition. Right. Um, so uh, we're gonna have our final weekly episode next week, and then we're gonna do some series reviews, and we'll probably do like a wrap up episode, just sort of discussing the anime we've reviewed in the last two years. Um, so if in the next uh, week or so, if you wanna send us an email at koshiancast at gmail this would be the time. Yeah. So. Let us know any thoughts you have, any thoughts about the podcast, any thoughts about shows we've covered, and um, if we get a couple of those, we'll you know we'll definitely read them and go through them um, either on the final weekly episode or on the the episode we do after right. that. Uh, so shoot them to us. I mean, I'd I'd love to hear. I, we've heard from from a few people, but I'd love to hear from as many people as possible just of yeah why you've listened to it um, and what you liked about it or. You know, what you didn't like about it, or why you... you know, right. Whatever. Did you hate us? Um, Did you hate us for attacking Minami Kamakura? Let us know. Yeah. Anyway, or don't. That's <laughs> fine. We, you know, it's fine. It's not going to change anything either way. But uh, but it would be it would be fun to, to read some of those. Um, so, uh, maudlin news aside, right. Matt, uh, let's talk about anime. Yeah. Uh, so, March comes in like a lion... Uh, had an episode. This yes, week. it did. So it was uh, episode thirty-two. Uh, this was broken up into uh, sort of two short stories that weren't directly uh, related. Uh, the first half was about Yamazaki, who was the the reigning newcomer champ, um, and this is sort of looking at his life up until the match he has with Ray. Um, so it focuses on like how he became a pro shogi player, uh, how he race he raises pigeons uh, outside of shogi, um, how he sort of interacts with his world, what stresses him out, what he enjoys, um, how he what his history with Ray and Nikaido was, um, and then it ends right before his match with Ray. Uh, so you just sort of you get to see the whole lead up to that match, right? Um, and then the second half is about how Hina reacted when Rei showed up, and then what she told Akari, and then how Rei took the whole family out to dinner after he won right. the championship. And that's it. Right. Um, so, Matt, I think you actually said it best when we kind of talked about the episode uh, the other day. Um, the first half of this was probably one of the best parts like probably just one of the best segments we've ever had on march comes mm-hmm. in like a lion uh and then the second half was one of the most confusing 
Yeah, it was weird because as I was watching the first half, it it felt really special. It felt like they were they were doing some things and they were approaching the story in a way that they hadn't before. It felt like a really strong, self-contained short story, um, which isn't a format they take very often. So I was just really relishing it. Right. Uh, and then, yeah, the second half was sort of, it was unclear exactly when the events were happening. It was jumping back and forth across the timeline. And it seemed like the thematic focus of the episode was that Hina and Akari sure do like eating ice cream. (laughs) I mean, I would go a little bit further than that. Because, I mean, I think the whole point was to show that Hina seems to be some, she seems to be finding something of a place because she's not moping around as much anymore uh you know she's clearly like sort of attached herself to ray now uh which i think was kind of the point and i think it was largely due to his sort of impromptu visit to uh to her during their uh, class trip um and i i think that was largely supposed to be the point of the episode and they were just sort of uh, trying to frame it in this fun little like slice of life moment where they all kind of get together and celebrate you know ray you know wants to celebrate with the people who matter to him so they go out so he takes them out to eat uh but yeah it was just kind of it it was almost a little too silly Yeah, it just, it didn't seem like it was connected to very much, you, you know, you might be right about how they're trying to characterize Hina, but they didn't need to spend half an episode episode talking about ice cream and udon right. uh, in order to do that. And I think one of the things that, I mean, here's the other thing, and this honestly gets a lot less talked about sometimes when it comes to, like, adapting manga. You know, there are some chapters that are written of manga, maybe they have, like, a vague point to them but sometimes an author just has to throw out a chapter because they're sort of trying to stall for time while trying to kind of think about what to write about next yeah it's one of the shortcomings of this show where it it seems like the anime uh staff was told you have to adapt every chapter in order right um and that means they have to adapt the dumb chapters that don't do anything too right and i mean i guess to be fair the first episode was kind of like that because i mean what did we really gain from that first half um and i mean when it comes oh, you mean the oh the the first part of this yeah episode? the first part of this episode and that's not well, a, that's yeah. not me disparaging it for the record i i don't mind when a segment doesn't move the plot forward right what i mind is when it doesn't tell a story right um because even though yeah it didn't move the plot forward with our main characters it went back and it characterized in a pretty dramatic way uh, Yamazaki, who had just shown up. So, right. like, for me, that's still, it's functional and it's unique. Right. Uh, the second half, it didn't it didn't add layers to anyone. Right, because, I mean, it's like, yeah, we could say it's like, oh, this is the way it shows how Ray's life is changing in this way. But, you know, it's like, what, what meaningful way thing did we not really learn from that second half? It was just... Exactly. Like, oh, Ray, Ray's getting closer to Hina now, and it's like, yeah, we, we kind of figured that. Like, yeah. this isn't really anything new that we haven't learned, but... Anyway, you know what? We're harboring a lot on that second half. Why don't we actually talk about the part of it we actually liked? Fair enough. Um, so, I, I think what I really enjoyed about this was actually... So, in this episode, we had Yamazaki going out to eat with, like, a bunch of friends before mm-hmm. uh, his match, basically. And what happens is he's he's out with these people that he doesn't really... 
I guess, connect with anymore. Like, maybe that they were kind of friends at one point. They were just basically, like, a social group. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of, like, chiding him on, like, hey, man, like, you, you should become the Majin at, like, like, under 20. That'd be incredible, right, man? And it's like, you know... And he kind of understands... I know they're just trying to be supportive. And I know that, you know, they're just kind of trying to make conversation because they don't know what else to say to me. But, gosh, this is annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it felt very relatable of just how... When you're hanging out with acquaintances and they try to understand your job and they just take wild stabs in the dark... Right. ...that it can just sort of be unproductive and frustrating for everyone involved to realize, like, okay, I'm dedicating my life to this thing, and other people just sort of joke around about it and don't understand it and don't really want to understand it. Right. It's kind of like, they're sort of saying it just to make conversation, but they're really not doing it because they're genuinely interested. They're doing it because they just want to make it sound like that they know more than they do. Yeah. And they are very rarely ever correct. You know, he, they, he kind of has that thought process of like, it's like, what, what, it's like, oh, you're a manager right now? Well, why aren't you the president of the company yet? Like, it, just make it up yeah. there like as soon as possible, man. You're under 20, you can do it. Yeah, exactly. So he, he kind of, in his mind, he turns it around on them and he thinks like how absurd it would be if he were to ask the same questions to them in their salary man jobs. But right. at, at the end of the day, he just does his own thing. Um, which is raising pigeons, uh, which I don't know. I just kind of, I liked, there's, there's no, I, I think I'm going to be at a loss for words to describe it per se, but I liked the aesthetic of the episode. Yeah, it... I liked how with very few words, this character felt fully fleshed out and it felt like he, his actions were justified. Right. Um, I think with him, I think what makes it work is that it, this is kind of uh, the whole take on, you know, it, it's a common theme in sports anime. You kind of have your moment to analyze the opponent that, you know, that it's not just the main cast that's trying to win. You know, there are other people who are, you know, have that same level of dedication as the main characters. They just fail to like live up to it. And this is kind of taking mm-hmm. a look at it. This is kind of its take on that. And it's kind of showing us. This is a guy who's been kind of thrown in with, like, other monsters. Because he, he's kind of intimidated by Ray and even, uh, even Nikaido as well. Who just sort of, like, constantly are, like... Who have no problems just constantly, like, pushing themselves forward and constantly working towards something. Whereas he realizes, like, man, like, I'm just... It feels like I'm just struggling to breathe doing this sometimes. And, I mean, this is the newcomer champ. Like, or, the, like, yeah. the prior newcomer champ. Yeah, so he's he's very well accomplished, but I mean, he's is sort of, and I'll say this, and then we can move on. But his beginning monologue in that episode is uh, sort of an extended breakdown of how dumb the phrase uh, "you can do anything you set your heart right. to" is. Like he's like, well, honestly, the the phrase should be. Uh, you can do anything you set your heart to if you work really hard, and even then you'll you'll have to work harder than everyone else who is working at it, and even then it will increase your chances of being successful, right. but not guarantee it. And he's like, that's that's the actual rule. Like it's just <laughs> it, it's all at the end of the day, you can't guarantee that your dreams will come true just because you work hard. Right. Um. 
And so he sort of real like because he has realized that it's harder for him to push himself than it is for Nakaido, who sort of still blindly believes that he's the hero of the story. Right. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Just sort of like he's grown up a little bit more in a way that Ray and Nakaido honestly haven't. Right. Um, and that's part of what holds him back. He doesn't have that naivete. Right, exactly. Because, like, all he can really... It's kind of that realization we all kind of have once we hit adulthood, you know? It's like, you know, telling, you know, like, when you tell people to believe in themselves, it's like, well, yeah, you should, but just keep in mind that only is, like, increasing it by, like, your chances by, like, a percentage point. And... You know, just having to deal with that mental strain of, like, I'm never... I may never actually accomplish my dreams. Yeah. Yeah. But you know who did accomplish their <laughs> dreams? Tatara and Chicha. Oh, boy. Let's hear about it, man. Yeah, sure thing. So, I'm gonna just do a quick summary of both episode 23 and 24. Uh, mm-hmm. So, the first episode, episode 23, it's the beginning of the finals. Uh, we actually get a little bit of history with... Uh, with uh, Tamie, who's uh, Kugimiya's partner, what we find out is that she, for some reason, just has decided to stick with Kugimiya. Uh, just because she doesn't really want to move on for, to a different partner. Uh, and we find we see how he she's been able to kind of support him like as he's struggling. And she's actually sort of help, helping uh, support his weight as he's about to collapse after his strain. Uh, but Tadara and Shinatsu continue to fight back. Then episode twenty-four, uh, it's the conclusion to the uh, to the final tournament. We have uh, Chinatsu and Tadara versus Kugamiya and Tamie because who else really matters? Uh, and there's kind of this sort of joint discussion about who's really going to pull ahead in the very end because the last one, the like the last uh, the last dance, the Viennese waltz, it's not something that Tadara and Chinatsu have ever practiced. However, their current style actually, uh, their kind of new style that they've kind of developed on the fly is actually very well suited to it versus uh, Kugamiya and Tamiya's sort of like steady practice that they've done. Uh, Tadara and Chinatsu win. Uh, Chinatsu gives Tadara a peck on the cheek and they both kind of admitted that they both like each other. And then series over? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um... I don't know. It, it. We actually watched the last episode of this together. The plot didn't move forward much at all. You got a little characterization of Kugamiya in 23, but most of the plot just wrapped up in episode 24. And what was most startling to us, I guess, well, not that startling, but right. in retrospect was startling, was how little we cared about whether Tadara won or not like we didn't really feel like he earned it that much we didn't really have any reason to be rooting for him and for me i didn't understand why he won like a sports anime for me a a sports anime for me (laughs) works when i can see that the show proved why the main character was better and deserved to win. Right. And I don't think the show ever proved that in any of the competitions. Right, because they just have to keep hammering it in your head. It's like, oh, you know, this is a, get, a battle against from tradition to, like, the evolution of the style. And it kind of feels mm-hmm. like, because they brought that up just, like, a few episodes ago, 
And they've done nothing but drive that point home over the past couple yeah. episodes. Like, you know, trying Without to proving it that this is what this was all about. Yeah. And it's it's funny because the judges all talk about how revolutionary and how what a big departure uh, Tadara and Chi's dance style is. Uh, but they never said why. Right. They just said, look, look, it's so different. And look at Kugumiya. It's so the same. <laughs> um, and you're like, okay, because, uh, because, and they, like, maybe it's implied, but they, you know, you gotta spell it out for people. It's not like we can tell by looking at them. And this show has very little interest in actually showing what dance moves are being used other than long, slow pauses to conserve the animation budget. Right. So, I don't know what they're doing differently. I, I will say that this final episode, we I, I think we both pointed out that this final episode had a moment of dance during the Foxtrot. And we were like, oh my god! No, it was the quick step. Oh, sorry, the quick step, my bad. It was like, oh my god, that actually looks like a different type of dance. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just kind of this brief moment. It's like, this is the first time that they have ever visually distinguished any dance... In this epi- in like in this entire series from one another, uh, because like even like the tango, you which you know is supposed to be kind of this sort of fiery, passionate dance, it's always done with just this sort of swirling, swooping sort of dance that you'd see just from like the waltz or like from mm-hmm. any other dance in this series. Uh, and so it's like it was kind of that brief moment that we were kind of like, oh wow, but like that's the only instance. Yeah. Um. I will say that the episode twenty three had had maybe one of the like most distinctive pieces of imagery I have ever seen in the show, maybe in anything we've ever watched. And I was kind of cracking up the entire time. It was when uh, Tadura was awakening, and Chinatsu dissipated, and then a flower grew on his chest, and Chinatsu started blooming <laughs> out of it. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't know what I was supposed to get from that. <laughs> <laughs> because they're blooming into a new dance. Because remember, if you recall, Matt, from the first half of the series, the leader is really more of a frame for the flower. And so Tadaro is finally assuming his role as the frame for Chinatsu to sprout out of? Yeah, but she literally burst out yeah. of his ribcage. It was kind of <laughs> gross. Um, <laughs> like, oh no, he's dead. <laughs> oh my god, we got like a Shinatsu alien situation here. And then killed him. So I don't know. Uh, it was fine. It was... It's just such an aggressively mediocre show. Right. That's that's what gets me. I, I, I'll give it one bit of praise. Um, I, I thought Tamiye's backstory was... I mean, it wasn't like super interesting. I did think it was kind of funny... Uh, looking at it from... Because, you know, the series wants to constantly push it as if, though, you know, the the couples are really actually couples. Uh, and so the whole point is that Tamiya just doesn't really want to move on to, like, a different partner. She just kind of wants to stick with it. And it kind of almost comes off as, like, a marriage that's just sort of going through the motions at this point. It's just like, eh, it's too difficult to find somebody else. I'll just keep him. Yeah. Uh, which... Yeah, I, I mean, one, once again... Uh, their story would have been a better show. Right. Uh, I think Kugamiya is very sympathetic in a way that Tadara is not. Right. Um, and, yeah, to me, A2. There's, like, there's something going on there that I'd like to explore more, which I haven't felt with any of the main characters. Yeah, kinda. 
I mean, what we found out, we found out through a poorly explained montage at the last second that Tadara's mother abandoned the family. Right, which kind like, of... Like, that was never said, but if that had been said, that would have informed a lot more about the character, but, like, they chose to put that off for the main character until the last sequence of the final episode? Um, so Why? I will... I, I will say real quick, I was actually reading a little bit of something on Anime News Network. It does sound like this last match was changed a little bit from the manga, uh, because it sounds like... Uh, Chinatsu and Tadara weren't really supposed to be so lovey-dovey with one another during each during like this kind of final oh, dance. Yeah. Uh, like because like Tadara admits in his head that he's in love with uh, Chinatsu, and then T- Chinatsu kind of gives him that little peck on the cheek at the end, kind of yeah. showing like, oh, you know, they're finally like together. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's apparently like, yeah, that doesn't happen in the manga. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it sounds like. They kind of realized towards the end, yeah, this ain't getting a second season, guys. We gotta just wrap this up now. Yeah. And so I'm guessing that little image about Tadara's mother abandoning them, I'm guessing that's something that you find out later in the manga uh, that they probably would have explained later, but they're just like, yeah, we're never gonna get to that. Hmm. Um, Interesting. But yeah, do you want to talk about anything else with Welcome to the... No, no thank you. <laughs> okay, let's just talk about something else we don't want to talk about. Uh, that's That would be Two Car, episode okay. 11. Okay, so this episode, uh, Megumi and Yuri are... They confront Betty Burchell at the... Uh, basically, that following that evening. Uh, they confront her, basically asking about how... She got together with the coach, and it was because he was around, and they hung out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so they ended up getting engaged, and then the girls decide to tell her that uh, the coach is actually, like, a really bad guy, and that she shouldn't put, you know, that she shouldn't put stock in him. And she gets really upset, naturally, and they have a race. Uh, basi- uh, Betty Birchall ends up winning, this race, uh, the next day, the girls' confidence is shattered, and they're doing really quite poorly. They don't really know how to deal with their motivation anymore, uh, because, you know, they've always been trying to shoot for the coach, and now the coach is no longer available. And, uh, they get really distracted after their little, like, rest and discussion with the coach, and, uh, the partner falls off the backside of the, uh, the kneeler. At the very end, and it leaves us on that image. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the Megumi falls off the uh, the kneeler. Right. Uh, so Matt, I just want to say, uh, I actually think that just in a technical sense, this might have been the best episode of Two Car. Just because the race the race was pretty well animated. The race was finally it was perfectly fine, and I feel like we got more like motivation and exploration of goals than we've ever gotten out of two car yeah I, but what you find out is that the main characters suck yeah i was about to say i also <laughs> came out of this episode hating it about as much as manami kamakura all of a sudden <laughs> yeah i mean these girls are so petty and mean-spirited right it's shocking <laughs> why are these that why would you do this to the main characters where as soon as they realize that the adult man that they're pursuing as 
teenagers as like what are they probably 16 the adult man is out of reach and they decide to say oh maybe it, it can't be because we're 16 uh, right. it's probably because this terrible english woman stole him from us you know what we should do we should lie about him and try to make her break up with him and doubt their relationship <laughs> Yeah, like, wow! Wow, this yeah. might be one of the grossest things I've ever seen. In like, wow, at least okay, that's Kokoshi. a little hyperbolic. I mean, it's in, in a show in this category of, like, uh, girls doing a sport together and learning about friendship show. Right. Uh, they've never, in the second to last episode, turned out to be spiteful hateful selfish people right <laughs> like, you know they didn't learn anything about friendship <laughs> <laughs> the only thing they learned about friendship was you should be friends with someone as long as they're willing to help you pursue the man you want right but, uh, then but if that, they get all bets are yeah. off and if they get in the way of that then they must be destroyed right yeah kind of like wow i just like i was just my jaw was on the floor as this was happening like, yeah, it was so weird. So weird. I, I will say I appreciate the fact that Betty didn't fall for it because she realized immediately what was going on here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's not going to be like, oh, okay, 16-year-old girls, you convinced me not to trust my fiancé. Right. It's just like, okay, I, this is clear what's going on here. I'm just going to have to, like, shake up their confidence a little bit, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Put them in their place. Yeah, I, a little I, bit. I kind of liked that, but, like... These girls were being so petty and mean. And so she's like, oh, okay, I'm a professional racer, and I'm going to destroy you and shame you and laugh at you. <laughs> like, teenage girls. <laughs> you, you know, I kind of appreciate that. I came out of this kind of dreading what was going to happen with Betty Birchall. Uh, she's currently my favorite character in the show. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, also, we did get confirmation that their engagement rings are literally just bolts <laughs> straight off of a motorcycle. <laughs> I mean, whatever, I guess. Yeah. It, it's just so funny, because he was like, well, you know, we uh, what's, what's the point in waiting to go get rings? Let's get engaged now. So he just put a bolt on her finger, and okay, that's kind of fine. That's fine. You know, and they, they tip, haven't and shared... They, they kind of have a shared, you know, passion in that regard. It, it makes a certain amount of sense. And they usually wear it as a necklace, which to me was logical because, yeah, you don't want to wear a bolt around your finger all the time. So, like, okay, it's a necklace and it's a shared story and it's a thing they have. So I'm like, weirdly, I'm okay with this. Yeah, you know, I, honestly, I even, as silly as their reason for getting together, which was kind of, you know, Coach was looking for a new partner and she was around, so he asked her and then she ran into him later and he explained. Yeah. And they just sort of kept hanging out after that. You know, I don't have a high... You know, maybe it's just because I have such a low expectation for the show. It's kind of like, you know what? It makes enough sense. Yeah, it felt relatively human. Yeah. Which most of these girls do not. <laughs> uh, so it was kind of a relief. Yeah, kind of like, yeah, you know, they just... They have a shared passion. They got to know each other and, eh, you know, they like each other. That's fine. That's that's kind of how romance works. Yeah, like, a little it, bit. You know? Yeah, so anyway, so that, like, we've, we've come around to hating all the main characters and liking the antagonists. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, in the, for the show's credit, I don't think you're supposed to come out disliking Betty. Like, 
I think you yeah, are. Yeah, I know, but if you're not, then you're supposed to come out disliking the main character. Yeah, and that's kind of the problem. And Like, why would they do that? You know, and for example, this isn't, like, I don't have a problem with making, like, a sociopathic evil protagonist. You know, like, there, there are shows that have done this very well. Stuff like, you know, Death Note or, like, Flowers of Evil. Like, but you make that the focus. You don't make it, like... Yeah, you don't spring it on the second-to-last episode. Second-to-last episode. You don't do it during your, like, weird, creepy fan service show, either. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just two more things I want to address. Uh, the first of which, I'm... There's something that's really amusing to me about the fact that these are two English women, both Betty and Tina, yeah. who just happen to know Japanese, and it's yeah. never explained. Well, yeah, because last episode we thought, oh, Betty's standing there silently and waving. That's great because she doesn't speak Japanese, so that makes sense. Of course that's what she would do. Uh, nope. <laughs> just immediately ignore that. They just didn't want to pay the voice actress for one more episode, <laughs> so they didn't let her speak last time. <laughs> but and it's just kind of like... You know, there there's a certain element of believability there. It's like, why would she just be able to speak Japanese? I'm like, I'm way more invested in Betty now. Like, I have so many questions yeah. about her. I know. I want to know. Um, the second of which, I, I want to point out that uh, Yuri and Megumi, like, say as soon as Betty is there, like, it's like, wow, I'm like this super huge fan of yours. And, like, they even mention, it's like, you know, we, we always used to look at that poster of the Birchall sisters every day because they were our goal. When? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They've never been mentioned. It's never never seen the poster, even though apparently it's been in their garage the whole time. Yeah! Like, like, and I get what's going on. You know, they're kind of trying to make this point about, you know, the girls, they kind of lost focus of their dream because they were really focused on their coach and they kind of lost, you know, they kind of lost sight of their real passion, which is represented in the Birchall sisters, I guess. Again, second to last episode... We had we had two episodes based around a sadomasochistic pair of girls where the revelation was that the masochistic girl or sorry the sadomasochist the sado the sadistic girl kind of was scared of losing her partner. That was it. That was the plot of that of that two episodes. That was a resolution of that. Yeah. Was did you guys just come up with the Birchall sisters like during these last two episodes? Who knows? They needed a dramatic conclusion. Um, but they knew they didn't have time to build it up because they had to showcase as many girls as possible, and here we are. Yeah, we still never got, we never, I am shocked we never got a story about the, about the goth pair. Like, I know, it's so weird, like, they're just there. Yeah, they're just kind gothy. of there, never explained, and it's like, we got the story of the twins who decided that their resolution should be that they are, they should be the same person. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, well, we don't need to retread old ground. I know. Uh, Save that for the review. Sure. Um, so, uh, big wind-up episode 9. Right. Uh, I'll go this um, pretty quick, but uh, basically the Nishiura side uh, realizes that their strategy has been picked up by Bijo. Right. Uh, so Abe starts calling for basically he he calls the opposite of what his normal strategy would be so he's able to get strikes because he's pitching the pitches that the other side isn't expecting and so they're able to get through a couple innings just on that alone of um pitching against the scouting report on mahashi so they're sort of doing the opposite 
uh, and then Nishir is simultaneously able to get some well-placed bunts and a couple key hits by focusing on where uh, the Bijou defense is and, like, hitting around their defensive shifting. Uh, so sort of trying to adjust their batting style at the plate in order to get through the defenders. Um, so they're finally able able to put two more runs on the board, but even so, Bijou's a really strong school, so they score another run on a sacrifice fly in the fifth inning. So going into the bottom of the fifth, Bijou is still ahead 5-2. Right. Um, so, I, again, this is a good episode. It always um, is. I, I, there was one point of interest, I thought. Um, there was a conversation between the two people in the stands. Uh, I think we got some hint about what the illegal thing that the catcher was doing. Yeah, so, uh, um, it was uh, Kazuki, who was the, the, the captain of the Tose team, uh, was talking to Roka who is, like, the kind of coach kind of dude who hangs out at the Bijou team. Right. And it became pretty clear that, for some reason, uh, Takeshi, who's the, the catcher for Bijou, was looking at Roka a lot. So whenever he went up to bat, he would look at Roka. Whenever he was going out into the field as a catcher, he would look at Roka. Um, and so somehow, they're pretty sure that Roka is giving him signs, which is illegal so right. you're not allowed to receive signs or signals about the other team from someone in the stands you can get it from the manager from the dugout but you can't get assistance from outside the field right. um and how they're communicating and it's unclear exactly why um but to me that's that is the most compelling storyline right now is why does roca want to place someone in the catcher position who's willing to cheat for him, and why is the catcher okay with it? Right. Um, I think we got a little bit of a hint of that, because the way that they were talking, uh, Roka and... Uh, I'm sorry, what was the name of the other guy? Uh, Kazuki. Kazuki. Uh, because when they were talking, uh, Roka mentions that their entire team is actually pretty average... Um, so I'm guessing it's just kind of, this is sort of a desperation move because they, you know, they kind of figured out that this team, you know, they're still very fresh, but they've already eliminated, like, the most intimidating team, like, in the bracket. Um, or pretty much in the entire tournament. So my understanding of this is they're probably kind of springing now. They're going to do whatever they can to win this match. Because, you know, this is kind of the team that has momentum. If they can take them down, that'll boost motivation. Uh, not only that, but it also, you know, it's kind of anybody's game right now for the tournament. Right. Uh, so I'm guessing they're kind of saying, okay, we don't have, our team isn't that great. It's not bad, but it's not, like, noteworthy. So this is our only chance to kind of do anything. Yeah, but again, uh, I feel like there's got to be more to it from Roka, because he seems to have some history. And there's, some, there's something going right. on in that dude, and so I'm looking forward to seeing how that wraps up. Right. That's fair. But yeah, so um, um, just as a heads up, uh, next week we'll have our final weekly episode, uh, and what we're just going to do, because we have more than one episode, we'll still have like four right. episodes of Big Windup, instead of doing those separately, we're just going to do all four episodes of the second season next week. 
Uh, so we'll just sort of talk through that in broad brushstrokes, and we won't have to talk about Welcome to the Ballroom, so we'll have a little extra time. <laughs> um, but anyway, Matt, thank you for your time, as always. Absolutely. And we'll talk to you later. Our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow Koshiencast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiencast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training. Keep training.